0: Welcome to Coaching Carrie, the podcast where two lawyers turned life and leadership coaches rewatch Sex in the City and can't help but wonder how would Carrie, Miranda, Charlotte, and Samantha's lives have been different if they just had a coach to help them along?
1: Berkey, help me out on this a little bit because you've lived in the New York area and I have not, but how do Mr. and Mrs. Fucks-a-lot not see four women staring at them through a window across, what, like an air shaft for more than an hour? Um, how is, it, is this possible? Is
0: it possible that they do see them and that that's part of the allure?
1: You're so much smarter than me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm just putting it out there. I feel like when people decide to do that in front of an open window with no covering, like there's clearly a part of it that is like, we might have an audience.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're definitely right. You're definitely right about that. But I feel like the whole thing is, is it almost like it's a, it's a movie screen? Like the girls are sitting there with their,
0: their Their gummy bears. (laughs) Give me the gummy
1: bears. Exactly. (laughs) All right, well, here we are at the penultimate episode of season one, episode 11. It's called The Drought. And this episode originally aired on August 16th, 1998, just as I was packing up my meager belongings to head off to college. Mm. <laughs> so get those extra long quin sheets all packed up. Here we go. <laughs> all right, well, unlike me as a college freshman, in this episode, we find that none of the girls is having sex for one reason or another. Carrie's relationship with Big continues to progress, and she's spending enough time with him now that they are sleeping together without having sex. Carrie feels really comfortable around him, but one morning wakes up a little too comfortable and squeaks out a fart under the covers. She immediately (laughs) freaks out, dives under the sheets, and then tries to run into the bathroom, instead knocking into the wall as Big screams with laughter. And can we just say that Sarah Jessica Parker and Chris Noth are having the most fun in this scene? For sure. I mean, honestly. So she gets dressed as fast as possible and leaves without much explanation to Big. And for the rest of the day, she tries to work. But every time she has a moment's pause, she relives the infamous fart. She tries to ignore the situation the next night as she and Big eat some Chinese in his kitchen. But he reminds her with a whoopee cushion on her seat and another giant peal of laughter. Overcompensating with some uh, poofy lingerie, Carrie crawls into bed and tries to awaken Big's libido, but he begs out and falls asleep almost instantly. Carrie tells us that this is the first time they've slept together without actually having sex before sleeping. A few days later at the nail salon, Miranda tells Carrie it's been three months since she last got laid. Carrie dismisses it as a dry spell, but Miranda points out that Carrie is getting neurotic over three nights with no sex. So she's got no room to point fingers. Carrie lets loose about the fart, and Miranda refuses to believe it has anything to do with Carrie's newly chased relationship. Later, Carrie meets Samantha for yoga. Samantha says it's a huge mistake that Carrie made herself human by exposing her bodily functions to big. And after class, Samantha has coffee with the instructor, who tells her he's celibate. Samantha is intrigued, and the following night, Carrie meets Charlotte for dinner and explains the situation, minus the fart. She can't bring herself to tell Charlotte about it. Charlotte thinks sex is overrated anyway in relationships, and there's nothing wrong with Carrie and Big. Just then, Charlotte's new beau, Kevin, walks up, and Carrie tells Charlotte that she's already slept with him. After some hemming and hawing, Carrie reveals that Kevin is a sex maniac. Naturally, Charlotte assumes Kevin has been holding back to make her comfortable, which she finds a huge turn on. The two retire to Charlotte's apartment to hook up, where Kevin tells her he's just not that sexual. And then he's on Prozac, which he's come to love more than sex. Back at Bradshaw Manor, Carrie sees her new neighbors, Mr. and missus Fox, going at it and decides to call big. She shows up at his apartment while he's in the middle of watching two men beat the bejesus out of each other with large gloves on, and can't get his attention. She throws a fit and storms out, and Big does not come to call her back. Samantha has a frustrating evening meditating on chastity with the yoga instructor, and Miranda is becoming a VIP at her local blockbuster while being catcalled in the street. Carrie decides to take her mind off things by painting her cabinets and is sure things are over with Big. Miranda stops by to find out that Carrie is worried that she's not right for Big because she's just not perfect. Miranda urges Carrie to be more of herself but gets distracted by Mr. and missus Fux Fucks-A-Lot. The rest of the girls join them to watch and talk about how none of them is having sex at the moment and plow through a whole pound of gummy bears. Later that afternoon, Miranda propositions her catcaller, who turns out to be a man of all talk and no action. Samantha ditches the yoga instructor for another student right in the middle of class, and Charlotte gives it the old college try one more time with Kevin, but gets turned down after very strangely asking him to go off his antidepressants for her. Big finally shows up at Carrie's place to be the adult in the room once again and ask her what the hell is going on. After complimenting her apartment just as it is, Big notices Mr. and missus Fox Fucks-A-Lot and takes Carrie to bed to see if they can do better. So yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot of not having sex, but also talking and looking at people having sex. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <This episode>. yeah. <laughs> yeah that's right. That's right. I I watched this, rewatched this episode yesterday and I could not be more frustrated with Carrie. Mm. Like literally could not be. And that's, you know, not very coachy of me to say, but that, that's my reality.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, she, she's just, well, why don't I just dive into my first yes, please. Uh, coaching question? Because it really kind of gets to what I think you're getting at, Becky, which is what draws you back to your doubts and uncertainties, even in moments of ease? Because we find her admitting to Miranda, admitting to everyone that she tells about the situation, that Carrie feels really comfortable. I mean, like, that's the whole reason why the fart happens. She's just, like, being herself. She lets go for an instant, and it happens. And then she just, you know, spirals into this whole, like, I'm not perfect thing. And it's like, you know, you see her continuing to kind of, you know, one step forward three steps back with just every single time something doesn't go according to her plan she doesn't check in with big she just kind of spirals and assumes like oh my god the whole thing's going to be over.
0: well I mean she doesn't even need to check in with big here like let's be Fair clear enough. it's pretty clear that he is not bothered by this fart he thinks it's hysterical and he tries, I think, honestly, to put her at, e- like, I think the whole whoopee cushion is an attempt yes. to, A, to be funny, but also B, to, like, remind her this is a funny thing. Like, this is just a, like, this is not a big deal. And she still, even with that sort of is convinced that the reason that they have stopped having sex is because of this fart. I mean, I know she like, maybe doesn't fully think that, but that is clear that that is part of the thought. And then she engages in this conversation with Miranda, right. Where she talks about like how exhausting it is to try to be perfect all the time.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. And like, she finds herself even like, you know, dressing a certain way, posing a certain way, talking a certain way, because she thinks that's the kind of person that she should be. Right.
1: Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's just, it is so frustrating because she just can't seem to hold on to the good. She always has to go back to the doubts and uncertainties yes, and find a way back there. And, you know, I think we see this also a lot from Miranda, maybe not so much in this episode, but we've seen it in the past where, you know, Especially with Skippier, anytime we kind of start to tiptoe over to this, might be something real she has a tendency to pull back and say, well, you know, no, I'm not ready for a whole big relationship thing, or, you know, this is just for the sex or whatever. She just, she can't let her relationships kind of blossom into something real and something that she says that she wants. She Mm -hmm. just keeps pulling back to these doubts and insecurities that she's relied on for so long. It's just, it's really it's heartbreaking to see, but again, so relatable.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's like, I guess that's a good, a reframing of your question. Not, and I think the question was good, but it would be sort of like, what is so attractive about these doubts and uncertainties that you keep going yeah. back to them? Right. Like exactly. What's your payoff?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm a big believer in that, you know, we, we all, when we do things kind of psychologically to hold ourselves back, it all, like we're getting some kind of payoff from it. Yes. Right. There's some comfort there. There's some, there's something, some reward that we're getting that is making us continue to engage in this behavior, even though it is very clearly not allowing us to get the thing that we say that we want. Right. Right. You know, all that Carrie wants, she keeps saying like, you know, she's so in love with big, she's you know so committed to this relationship. She's so out on a limb. She feels like. Yeah. But she can't let it be, turn into yeah. the thing that she says she wants.
0: Yep. Well, and I think I mean she hits the nail on the head at some point, right? Doesn't she say something like, "I'm in love with him, and I'm afraid I'm going to fuck it up," right? Like, so mm-hmm. it's it's actually this notion of like, I I'm it's, it's what we all do, right? Like, I'm going to short circuit arriving at what I want so that what I want can never be taken away from me, mm. right? Mm. Which is yeah. like the I mean. Clearly not an effective way to achieve what you want, but <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but also exactly. like very human and very much a, you know, let me protect myself against the potential of future failure by forcing present day failure.
1: Yeah, for sure. And that actually, you know, leads very nicely into my second question, as we are apt to do for one yes. another. This is a real coach thing to say. So I apologize for the coach speak. Love but it. I love it. Um, <laughs> but, you know... It's the effort to disrupt patterns of uh, thought and action that are not serving us. So what evidence, Carrie, do you have that Big
0: wants you to be perfect? Yeah, It's a good question.
1: What is she, all she's doing is putting her own stuff on him.
0: Yeah, because when has he said, I mean, granted, you know, like in, in the glimpses we've gotten to date, I have no evidence that he is looking for perfection. None. I mean, he's put up with a whole crap ton of imperfection already. And she perceives that she's like holding herself in this tight, tight place. But what's happening is in her attempts to be quote unquote perfect, what happens is it like ekes out when when the steam builds up, it squishes out and in in a totally unattractive way so far. And we've talked about that a lot, right?
1: Absolutely. And but in, in every instance that she's done this, he's met her there. Correct. I mean, he showed up in the park at 3 a.m., right? I mean, like, he's put up with all of her kind of weird neuroses, her showing up, you know, in his apartment, throwing vodka everywhere. (laughs) All of it. Right. All of it. He's put up with all of it and seemingly with a smile on his
0: face. Yes. Even here, he's the one to make the repair, right? Even here, he's the Mm -hmm. one to show up at the end and be like, what is actually going on, you know? yes, I'm still connected, (laughs) you know, all of that.
1: Exactly, because, you know, Harry leaves his place without much of an explanation after the fart incident. She then tries to ignore it. And, you know, he tries to put her at ease with the whoopee cushion (laughs) joke. Yep. And then she shows up and does this whole bizarro, you know, seduction routine while he's obviously in the middle of something else and then is pissed when he doesn't respond the way she wants him to. And again, storms off. And then she's mad that he doesn't call her
0: for three days or whatever. Correct. Is. And that he hasn't called to apologize or whatever. And and where, what I see when I see that, like, we can argue about the merits of watching boxing. But here's the deal.
1: <laughs>
0: Big had.
1: To be Big, clear, I came from an Irish family. We There was
0: a lot of boxing. Yeah. Watching I mean, going out of my But you house. could substitute anything in there, right? Like, yeah. But the deal is this. Big had a plan. Big was watching boxing. Yeah. She showed up and tried yeah. to take his attention. And this, like, I guess it's a trope, right? Of like the woman being ignored for the sports and trying to get the attention is just, yeah. I'm, I'm over it. And actually just kind of saw her behavior as a little bit disrespectful, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's okay to want someone's attention, but I think you have to sort of explain that that's what you need and then ask for them to tell you when they can provide it,
1: right? I mean, he was sitting on his couch with a beer, watching his boxing match. I mean, you know, she doesn't say, "Hey, I'm coming over to boink." Yeah, <laughs> she just says, "Like, can I come over?" She doesn't let him in on the fact that, like, hey, there's this amazing couple like banging boink. all yes. the time across the air shaft from me. She doesn't let him in on any of that. She just says she's coming over, and then. It's this whole production and it's all of her stuff, you know, projected onto him because he's given her
0: absolutely no reason to
1: feel that we know of to feel this kind of insecurity, this kind of doubt.
0: Right. And it seems like in in that scene, it would have been so simple to be like, hey, can I sit and watch boxing with you? And when this is over, I really would like for us to spend some time together Mm -hmm. and just Mm -hmm. even asking if he has that availability, right? Like, I, I don't know. It's just Carrie being in her head again and not being willing to engage in the conversation.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's her just thinking that like, okay, I'm going to disrupt him into, you know, this really elaborate like seduction fantasy that I have that's going to cure whatever, you know, ills were caused by the fars.
0: Yes. And in fairness, right, a little bit of this comes from Samantha because her answer to all of this is you know, no, I mean, women are expected to be perfect and we're not supposed to have bodily functions or hair Mm -hmm. where we're not supposed to have hair or whatever, but it's okay because all you need to do is go over there and bang his brains out and he'll forget all about it. Right. Right. And so, I mean, like she's sort of exhausted all the other, what she's got as solutions. And so that becomes the solution. I'll just go over there and jump him. And I'm here for that solution, but I'm also here for him to like not respond right away. Right. So
1: Yeah, and I think it's great that you brought up Samantha, because, you know, I think that all the women could stand a little time thinking about what did they lose by living as a fantasy? Mm -hmm. So they all sort of do this at some time or another. They all kind of try to live as this fantasy caricature of themselves or a fantasy that they think the man is having of some woman that doesn't exist. And I'm just I'm curious, you know, for Carrie, but also for Samantha and the other two women, maybe to a lesser degree, like what do you lose by living in this plastic, mm-hmm. you know, antiseptic fantasy
0: version of yourself versus
1: really being who you are?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. And I think, you know, it ties into this might not be a direct answer. But as you were asking, it, I was thinking about Charlotte's boyfriend in this episode you know, who is the first character we see for whom sex is not a priority. Mm-hmm. Yep. And even Charlotte doesn't know what to do with that.
1: <laughs> yeah. the first like, oh, this is so great. He's like holding back for me. It's so yep. gentlemanly.
0: And then she gets a little bit of a rude awakening. Yep. But I mean, here's the character who like flat out says, no, actually like my mental health is way more important than ever having sex again.
1: Which Bravo to him and Bravo to this show for letting him say that. And I'm a little disappointed that Charlotte's response is, "Well, wouldn't you consider going off
0: of it for me?" Yeah, I mean, it's about the like, it's about the most awful thing that I can think of that Charlotte says. To be honest, like,
1: yeah, I mean, she's usually the one who's you know sensitive to this stuff and and wouldn't say things like that. But oh.
0: And I look, I'm here for my priorities in relationship don't match your priorities in this relationship. And so this is not a relationship that should continue. I'm all for that. But I think like, I just really respect that he makes a clear statement of what matters to him. And you know, that's kind of like my whole shtick in coaching is really digging into figuring out those priorities. And I'm really like, happy that he has such a clear statement. And it's such a juxtaposition with the question you just asked of like, what does it mean to be living and like, in this fantasy space and what are you losing? And I think one of the things you're losing is the ability to really go after the things that matter to you.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Right. Right.
1: Yeah. Which is kind of when I was thinking about Samantha with this question, I'm actually not sure that
0: she feels that she loses much. Uh, At Um, this point, I don't think so. Yeah. Right.
1: Yes, exactly. At this point in the series, I don't think that she feels that she's losing much because it seems to matter to her to keep herself hairless and painted and polished and looking beautiful. She's in PR. She clearly thinks that that's, you know, um, essential for her job. She doesn't seem like she feels that this is that, you know, big of a burden to carry around, but...
0: Well, and I mean, we even see it in her relationship with the yoga instructor, right? Like she makes a priority choice too, right? Like Mm -hmm. sex actually is more important to me than a spiritual connection or, you know, playing whatever this game is with you that we're playing. And so she goes and has sex. And again, I mean, I'm I'm here for that. Like if that's the priority, that's the priority. And so I think you're right to observe that she's not losing much. I mean, Carrie, on the other hand, is like really struggling
1: with
0: (laughs) navigating this. And like, she's not, I mean, she flat out says she is not showing up as her full self in her relationship with big. And what we get from the viewer's perspective over the course of the season so far is she shows up as either a perfected version of herself or an extreme imperfection, you know, yes, right. versus just the reality of human experience, which is some mix of all of that with a little bit of like, you know, outbursts here and there. Cause we're all human.
1: Well, right. Because when Biggie shows up to her apartment, you know, and he says, what was that the other night? And she says that that was me having a meltdown. And he just says, okay, <laughs> There, there's not this big, you know, you can't act like that. You know, that's unacceptable. And this is all while he's strolling around her apartment, which, of course, he's never seen because she's never invited him to see her place. Mm -hmm. And she is without, you know, him prompting her talking about all the things that she wants to change about the apartment and Mm -hmm. clearly nervous about him seeing it. Yep. She's clutching that curtain like, you know, it's her blankie. And he keeps saying, I like it. I like it. Nice paint you know, and she just can't receive it. She can't receive that. He sees you the way you are, even if you're trying to cover it up. Correct. She's still just compelled to go back to those doubts and insecurities and put her all of that stuff onto him as his problem. I really don't think it is.
0: No, I agree. And I mean, like, let's go back to I think it's the very first episode, maybe it's the second where, No, it's the second where it ends with him saying, like, sometimes you just want to be with the one who makes you laugh. Mm -hmm. And here we have in this episode, like, he's having a great time with her, even with the fart. And so.
1: Screaming peals of laughter. Right. From him.
0: Right. Right. And so, like, let's be clear. Big has been, I mean. I don't want to read too much into just that one line, but he's been clear that what he's not looking for is he's not looking for perfection. It's like, he didn't say sometimes you want to be with the perfect woman. He said, sometimes you want to be with the one who makes you laugh, which to me means like, sometimes you want to be with somebody who is deeply in the human experience, just like you.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, we also have, you know, him explaining why he didn't stay with Barbara. We have him, you know, talking through all of that stuff with her. And yeah, it seems like what she's losing by trying to act like this perfect version of herself is really experiencing the relationship that's right in front of her. That's
0: right. She's losing the ability to be loved for who she is.
1: Yeah. And yeah. well, I just want to really quickly touch on Miranda because we, we've talked about this in past episodes. It doesn't really come up now, but I do think that, you know, she's made this choice that we've talked about before to kind of desexualize herself, maybe to survive in the workplace, maybe actually in some ways, you know, over-sexualizes herself and makes all of her romantic relationships about power and control to kind of balance that. But she's not living as her full self in either milieu either. She's, you know, kind of robot Miranda at work and untouchable Miranda in relationships. And it doesn't seem like she's getting what she wants either.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. But she did wear a lot of overalls in this episode, which made me really happy. (laughs)
1: I mean, like part of me just saying I'm aware that catcalling doesn't happen because women are, you know, dressed up in some way. But like, why are you catcalling her now in that outfit? She's clearly just like dragged herself out of bed to return this video. It's just, and he looks like he walked out of staying alive or something. I mean.
0: It's funny. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can tell you, like when I first moved to Washington, D.C., I had to do this like four block walk up the hill to the Safeway to buy my groceries and routinely would do that on Sunday mornings, hung over in like, <laughs> you know, sweatpants and a hat. And I got catcalled more on that walk than anywhere else I've ever been. So it clearly was just yeah. about the fact that I was a woman. Right. Like I had not I mean, this was not like me yeah. and my best. Right. Well, um yeah, it's just. <laughs>
1: All right. And um, since we've been doing bonus questions lately, I'll uh, give you a bonus question, not for answering, but for contemplation, which is just, you know, what role do you want sex to play in your romantic relationships? All the women seem like they need a little time to think about this. They all seem to be fooled every time it kind of shifts and moves a little bit on them. So maybe just kind of nailing down a little bit, what role do you actually want it to play? And what does that signal for you?
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good one. And it's, I mean, it's one to think about generally, because it can shift and change over time. And what sex means in, you know, in some points in a relationship or in some relationships can be very different than what it means at other points or in other relationships.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So I will go back and recap my coaching questions for this week. Number one was what draws you back to your doubts and uncertainties, even in moments of ease? What evidence do you have that big wants you to be perfect? What do you lose by living a fantasy version of yourself? And finally, as our bonus question, what role do you want sex to play in your romantic relationships?
0: Love it. <laughs> love it. Love All it. All
1: right. Well, thanks everyone for being here. And we'll be back next week with another episode. Hey,
0: that's Becky. To connect with me, the easiest way is to head over to my website at untanglehappiness.com. There you can learn more about the services I offer, as well as get additional information about my book, The Happiness Recipe, A Powerful Guide to Living What Matters. I look forward to connecting with you.
1: Hey, it's Carrie. I would love to connect with you out in the world at Carrywalshcoaching.com. There you'll find more information about me, coaching, blog posts, and an opportunity to sign up for my newsletter. Or if you or your company is looking for executive coaching, you can check out theatalantagroup.com for more information. That's the A-T-A-L-A-N-T-A group.com.